Hannah Nordby, the Adams County Agriculture and Natural Resources County Extension Agent, and you're listening to Agriculture Applied. Innovate, relate, create with NDSU Extension. Today, I'll be sitting down with Sean and Kat Weinert, operators and owners of Lost Creek Cattle Company, which was established in 2010 when the two purchased the home quarter. Kat and Sean stocked it with 20 registered cows and began selling bulls with Barrow Cattle Company in the fall of 2011. They are a family of five, soon to be six, with a little one on the way. They ranch by Hedinger in Southwest North Dakota and are both active members in their community. Kat is a chamber board member and Sean sits on the local soil conservation district board. They are a fun, upbeat family and what I like to call modern day homesteaders. Grab a cup of joe and settle in to ponder innovative ideas and reflect on generational changes when it comes to sharing your agricultural story. You're not gonna wanna miss out. Okay, well, I'm sitting here with Sean and Kat Weinert. I know they've just got a really interesting backstory, and I'm excited to dive into the heart of, but I guess we'll just jump right into it, starting with ladies first. Kat, it was your ties to Adams County that brought you back to Southwest North Dakota. Can you describe to listeners what it has been like coming back and raising your children in the agricultural community? Um, it's been it's been awesome. Really, I always knew I wanted to come back to Hedinger. Hedinger's never done anything wrong. I know some kids they leave and they can't wait to to get out, but I I always knew I wanted to come back. So, um it's been fun watching the girls grow up in the community and specifically um, calling it an agriculture community. When I was growing up, I was kind of, I felt like the only girl in, like I couldn't talk to anybody about cows or couldn't talk to anybody about haying. Um, but I love that my girls have lots of other girls, classes above them, classes within them, classes below them. Um, that they're able to talk about the things they love or talk about what they're working with or, you know, just all that stuff. It's been really fun to see them, see the whole community really grow like that as of late. It seems like we're really having a baby boom right now. <laughs> right. As I say that three weeks from the due date. <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of felt the same way growing up too. There wasn't a lot of kids my own age and there were definitely times when I was in school and I was just like, I just want to talk about cows with somebody. <laughs> yeah, and there were lots of boys. I could talk to the boys about it, but it's not the same. I remember going to college and... There were all these girls that like wore jeans and button up shirts and boots. And I was like, oh, there's more than one of us. Right? There's my people. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, and so it's just, I don't know. I think that's really a, a sweet part of Hedinger right now is knowing that there's so many kids and especially little girls right now that are in agriculture. Yeah. Oh, sure. Now, Sean, you grew up in Montana with no ranching background. What instigated the dream of ranching for you? I mean, people call, I sometimes when you grow up in ranching, you come back to it, you think you're crazy. But then the fact that we've been able to like 
<laughs> hook and bring in someone that was totally new to it all? You know, for me, it was always the, the ranch families that I knew were always really, they were close and they did everything together. And, you know, even if it was just work, it was fun. I mean, you know, whether it was Christmas or whatever, I mean, they were always doing something together. Um, and I always just kind of thought, man, that'd be a great way to raise a family, a great living to make. And, you know, that I had cousins that had a, a really nice ranch uh, right in the Rocky Mountains. And so I just kind of, something I grew up seeing and, and just thought that's what I wanted to have someday, hopefully. Right, you're right. Uh, I got to share with you guys here real quick. When I was in Taiwan and Thailand for six months and everything, like the first time I saw cows in four months, I about started crying. Like it made me so happy. And it wasn't just because I love cows. Like I do really love cows, but it just, they represented, you know, countless hours of you working together with your family through like the sunshine, the rain, the snowstorms, it's hot or cold out. Um, you know, that's, it just really reminded me of my family. I know people have asked, is there anything you love more than cows? And I'm like, well, you just have to understand why I love cows. It is definitely rewarding that way too. Like, I mean, you're always, whether we're out moving electric fence or whatever, like you got the kids with you and they're asking questions and it just every day is, I don't know, it's, it's really rewarding for me that way. Um, and it's, it's exactly what I wanted. I mean, I got a great partner in my wife. I mean, we wouldn't have any of this without her. I mean, she does everything here. Uh, and so it's just, I don't know, for me, it's just, I look forward to, the time that we get to to do no matter if we're digging ties in the ground or or helping neighbors brand or whatever it's always sat gathering in that community uh, I just crave it and I, I don't know it, it's a great it's a great life I think so far I mean we, it doesn't feel like work no it never does mm -hmm. never does um, and and I see why people that were born into it you know they can never get away from it I mean no matter if you try to leave it's always there you know like you say you, you look forward to seeing those cows or I don't know I'm sure fixing fence even at some point in time <laughs> in your life you're like, yeah don't tell my wait. brother <laughs> no um it definitely is a very unique opportunity I think those that get to grow up in the egg community you know, coming from an unconventional background, what challenges would you say you've overcome? The hardest part really was, first of all, getting a hold of any kind of land uh, to start an operation. I mean, that initially, I mean, you can buy cows any day, but you got to have a place to put them. And especially... You know, nobody knew me, nobody knew who I was or... Your last name. Yeah, my last name. I mean, I, I wasn't from here. Uh, so that, that was a challenge. And, and and then also just getting people to believe you that you really want to do that. I mean, that was the biggest question I always fielded was, why do you want to do that? Or you didn't grow up doing that. Why? What sense does that make? You know, and people couldn't quite grasp it. But... Um, those were probably two of the biggest things for me. 
and once you once you get a cow herd and get a piece of land and it kind of starts to snowball a little bit from there people realize you're serious about trying to run cows you know and um but yeah get getting started having the confidence to to go try it ask people you know if there's anything for lease or you know finding those little deals um that that's been the toughest part i think and it's probably hard for everybody to get land i mean short supply but right limited resource for sure i guess we should probably pause for a second and maybe um back up and cat can you explain to folks kind of how you guys ended up coming back here and maybe the start i guess we jumped right into the challenges without (laughs) really explaining your story so um my my parents ranched here and uh and so i left for college and went to college in bozeman and that's where sean and i met and we once we graduated college we were engaged and had jobs really good jobs (laughs) um i was an embryologist and sean worked for fighting fire yeah and we we had we really kind of liked those jobs and um somebody called one day and was like hey uh there's this uh kind of absentee owner and he's looking at um having a manager and you guys should put your apps in and it was it was tom roosh and so we put our apps in for that and did some interviews and it was funny because we we both really did kind of like our jobs but it was like we couldn't say no to this it was an easy decision yeah it and and it was just it was it was just so simple it's obviously the right choice and um my folks's place um was didn't really ever seem like a like a viable option for us but um the place that we eventually bought is my family's original homestead um and we came back and got married we had the wedding in Hedinger, which we were always going to do anyway um and then I think we, we got married August I know I don't think <laughs> we got married August 22nd and um I think like August 23rd we were in the hayfield doing something with dad and then um started work September 1st for Tom and um we just kind of just it just avalanched on us um and so we just that's kind of how we how we came back and um eventually uncle walt passed away and we bought our our home place now which was just just by the grace of my family that they they gave us a square deal on that and i mean the house it uh hannah's sitting in it right now it's pretty nice now but trust me when we moved into it people were like burn it down and um we've done a ton of improvements to all of this stuff out here but we're just just really blessed to even have been in the running for that opportunity to come back to to my home place for sure yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of personality. I think it's pretty cool. Someday when I have a house, I hope it's half as cool as yours. I hope it's half as drafty. 
Touche, touche. Um, if I can add to Sean's uh, answer to the challenges that, that I think he's overcome, um, one of them has been banking. Um, it's a different ball game when you're taking out a ten or $20,000 note for a truck uh, versus like 120000 for a piece of land. Like just the amount of debt that 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 was really hard for him and I don't know I I I don't think I fully grasped that he was struggling with that concept to to really jump in and help him I was kind of along with the show or okay this must not be working or whatever I just put the mineral out and do the things (laughs) um but Shauner's had a tough time understanding that that amount of debt while it is paying for itself is it's an okay situation and that was a huge challenge to overcome for sure yeah that was never explained even through college or anything like that i mean you know they don't ever talk about how to manage yeah you know and i come from a family where debt is evil you know (laughs) like absolutely never have debt well you're i mean you could do this without any debt but you wouldn't get very far and to realize that it's a tool and you just have to manage it as such um you know but that that was a struggle for me for a long time it probably held us back in the beginning for sure um just because i did i didn't want that hanging over us but um yeah that that really was i i hated it right i know listening to my dad one of his biggest pieces of advice he's given me is um yeah debt you're gonna have to take some on and everything but only take on as much as you can handle you know Mm -hmm. focus on hitting those base hits and eventually you'll bring a guy home if you're trying to knock it out of the park you're gonna burn out real fast yeah Yeah, i agree with that And, and there's good debt to have too i mean there's debt that you can manage and leverage and you know um but yeah, it's something that was never talked about, and that that really blindsided me. I I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I just that was something I didn't realize for sure. Right. I mean, you know, we're talking about these different challenges that you've overcome. What would you credit towards overcoming those difficulties? Probably it's some ignorance to like you just assume that this is how it is. I mean, you don't know if it's supposed to be easy or hard, so you just go through it. And, um, you know, Kat's, she's very stubborn about things. I mean, <laughs> she, if she puts her mind to something, she's going to see it through, and I have a lot of that too. And But I, I do think, especially in the beginning, you just don't, you don't know what you don't know. And so you're assuming that, everybody's digging ties in by hand, you know, and then you realize one day that they make a postal digger. You know? Right. <laughs> like, and you can borrow one from your neighbor, yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> but, yeah. Shout and, out to JC Farms. <laughs> but so that, that's been helpful, if nothing else, is just, you know, not growing up ranching, you don't have these preset biases of how things should be done or shouldn't be done so yeah you just you face a challenge and you overcome it I mean that's I don't know that's just kind of how we are 
and that's helped on both. I mean, on the we did dig, dig a lot of ties in by hand, but it has also helped because he has no pre, preconceived notions about how you should graze, or what type of mineral you should put out, or how your water gaps should look, or why it's silly to to break down your cross fences even more. He, that just it, it it doesn't register for him. So he dives in so much deeper to understand instead of just taking maybe something for granted that we all learned, you know, mm-hmm. well, dad did it this way. Grandpa did it that way. It's always been done that way. That doesn't happen for Sean. No, that's a, uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it seriously is. Mm-hmm. Now, we often talk about opportunities in agriculture. When opportunity has come knocking, how have you responded? I, I try to say yes, no matter what, and then... Except to road tripping with cat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, I'll get him convinced one of these days that we're going to go somewhere. But I, I think you... Opportunities don't come around very often, and so if they do come, you have to say yes and just figure it out later. And you know, you could like you could be scared of what may happen or what may not happen, but like if you let that fear paralyze you, you'll never get anywhere. I mean, there's anybody could be doing what we're doing, but they you can talk yourself out of anything, right? I mean, it's it's easy to say, well, this could happen or that could happen. So we just like I tell Cat, I said yes to this chunk of ground, and then now we got to figure out how we're gonna make it pay, you know. And and so I don't like to I don't like to turn down very many opportunities, um, just because you never know when it's coming back around. And so that that's always just kind of been our way, just say yes and try to make it work. <laughs> that stubbornness comes in handy <laughs> then, right? <laughs> Um, so I think it's safe to say that you, both of you, um, together you run an outside-the-box thinking operation. Are there any highlights that really worked for you that you'd like to share with listeners? Calving in sync with nature for us. And by that, I guess, you know, we start calving the 15th of May. And it has eliminated the need, you know, for barn space or for you know, probably extra equipment or extra labor. Um, you know, we can go out and, and handle these calves in 60 degree weather. And not to say you don't get an occasional May blizzard or whatever, but usually it's it's gone in a day. And um, But setting the cows up to match forage production has just made everything else easier. You know, um, it, it has lessened the need for labor and um, you know, we like we don't tag our calves, and that like we don't the commercial our, calves. We don't tag our yeah. commercial calves. <laughs> but, you know, but that and that is sometimes people can't wrap their mind around that, or just simple stuff like that. I mean, but uh, it all starts with calving with nature oh, for yeah. me. I yeah. mean, I um, if we would have had to, or if we would have been calving in February or March, even. Um, I would have burned out a while ago. Yeah, it, it, you know, like I said at the beginning, Cat does a, a huge majority of this work, 
we got three kids, one on the way. So no matter what she's doing, she's, she's got these little ones following her. So everything has to get as simple as it can. And, um, in, in our operation anyway, I, I won't say it's right for everybody, but definitely with me working in town and her photography business and everything else trying to happen, um, it's been huge. It just simplifies life. That and Sean's always had this um, stigma about anything that can rust. We just don't. I mean, we do have equipment. It's just not. It's not top of the line equipment by any means, and that shows. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say anything that rusts because it is already rusted. Usually, <laughs> by the time we get it. Um, but we're just not a, not a huge, you know, big tractor, um, brand new truck. That's just not our, not our motto. And I'm fine driving the pickup that started on fire this summer. It's, that was, you make it work. that was fine. Everything was fine. Character, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids definitely have character after that one. Yeah. Um, but I think that was, that's been huge too for us is just trying, is not, trying to keep up with you know the joneses exactly the next the next big thing that that comes into the implement lot and um one that's like everything has allowed us you know we typically start grazing cows in april and early april and you know we try to graze well into january if we can i mean winter dependent of course but um most of the times we can make that work and so we've been able to lessen our feed costs and um but it all it all just stems from from that beginning i guess mm-hmm. to me as far as you know having those cows cabin when the grass is green and open what is an idea you've tried that didn't work out the way you expected it to but better than how you expected it to i mean to date the so far that the little bit of bale grazing we kind of did out here where it turned into huge weed patches Mm -hmm. because it's like a huge eyesore but i don't know if the fertility will be there i mean i don't know if we are building some soil health on there or not but all i see is weeds weeds the cross fence we put in the solar panel and the cross fence on johanna's Mm -hmm. um we did that on a lease that person passed away they were like, wow, you guys really took care of my sister's land. Do you want to buy it? That's true. That worked out really well. And then this year we cross-fenced it, the cross-fence and grazed an extra, like, month, two months, month and a half. I don't know. Yeah. On that. That, that, I mean, we were just doing that because... Rotational grazing. <laughs> two falls ago we tried, move like, daily moves with our cows that didn't really work out no that was terrible we didn't our cows became very needy (laughs) so we don't really care for that i mean i think ranching is all about trial and error and you got to figure out what works for your operation and just because it works for one person doesn't mean it'll work for you or just because it doesn't work for another person doesn't mean it won't 
work for you. The worst part about ranching is it takes a whole year to get back around to it. So then you're like, why didn't this work last time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Journaling. Maybe journaling. Let's go back. What was I doing a year ago today? What was I thinking? <laughs> you do that, okay? Yeah. Good penmanship. Right. Well, and now with this next question, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but what is something that could have been tweaked to make that idea more um, sustainable instead of maybe flopping for you? Do you have any? I, I think perhaps on the bale grazing deal, I think if we would have maybe fed on some different ground, I kind of feel like this is a little more native type grasses in there and I don't know that they respond as well to that high concentration of you know the the aftermath of that bale grazing um we maybe also could have bought some hay. higher quality hay. yeah that would have been neat that <laughs> would have been more expensive is what you mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think if we were going to bale graze out there we could have we should have paid more attention to our our soils and then also paid more attention to the quality of hay that we were feeding on such said soils yeah. for sure well maybe something that maybe help out in the question um how sometimes things work for some people and they don't work for others is at home we have a section um of a pasture that just it's gumboy gross yucky um We've tried babying it for years and years and just still never got any grass to grow. And I think this is, I just cut twine off some bales to be all graze. And I think this is our third or fourth year, but you know, we put our weediest bales out there and it's intentional cause it's like, well, nothing else is going to grow on this gumbo land. And if you at least get something growing and you know, trying you to build start. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's kind of a case where it, it all just fit, needs to fit your scenario right. and everything. Yeah. And that, and that's probably kind of back to the ignorance of like you read about it or see this presentation and they just talk about bale grazing. So yeah, we'll just do this wherever, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably didn't put enough forethought into like how you can use these tools yeah in how is this grass going to respond versus a, a brome mix you know i mean that an old hay field probably needs the fertilizer probably probably needs that everything that the bale grazing is will do eventually i mean um but we probably didn't need to do it on buffalo grass you know i mean not right at the end of the day but yeah but i don't to me it's not a flop really it's just kind of got to change pivot and change direction and right. try again later you know some extra work now we'll get it back yeah what it was i just hate looking at the weeds though <laughs> <laughs> well like i said hindsight is 2020 <laughs> at least we live by the highway <laughs> <laughs> your neighbors can drive by and be like what are they up to now <laughs> I they do too and they're always wondering what I mean, speaking of neighbors, are there any shout-outs you would like to give to the positive people who have helped you look beyond the status quo when ranching? Yeah, I got, for me, 
uh, ranch I worked on through college, um, Josh Donald, uh, his dad, Bill Donald, uh, they have a, a place outside of Big Timber, but they were, uh, it's a, a very large ranch, and that's where I learned that you could calve in May and June. And that's where it kind of, I went to my first ranching for profit seminar and kind of pivoted me away from maybe what I was learning in school. <laughs> you I, know, it, it, I mean, it, not, not that there's at a good education, but it was kind of a, a systems of like, you have to kind of do things in a certain way. And, um, Donald's showed me that, you know, there's other ways out there and that kind of you know, led led us down a, a rabbit hole, if you will, of different operations and, and different ways. Um, and so, and a, a, another one would be Kit Farrell, Farrell Cattle Company. Um, he's completely outside the normal agriculture. I mean, everything he's trying to do probably bucks the, the main agriculture uh, in whatever you want to call it agriculture industry or whatever mm -hmm. but um, he's opened me up to uh, tons of people uh, that have shown me there's a way to make money doing this you know it is possible to make a profit by ranching um, you know, and I tell Kat, and I'll, you can edit it out or not, but, like, I have a lot of hesitation with this podcast because I work in town still. So it kind of, may, like, you know, is it all BS or whatever? But um, so that, that's, like, my stigma, you know, my own personal battle with it. But, I mean, we are able to expand. You know, we, we've been able to expand almost every year since we bought cows. But a lot of it's been if not kit people that we've met through kit and those ideas and um there's a email group that we're part of through his business that i mean there's people out there that even around here um that they're trying all kinds of stuff and it just opens you up to all these possibilities and opportunities um that you might miss i guess if, if you weren't looking for them yeah, but people, you know, nobody gets anywhere by themselves in in this world. And Kit has been one of those people that took us under his wing. He said, "You just come over here. I like the way you guys you guys think." And and he's really really ushered us into, you know, even even I mean, registered the registered world. We sell bulls through Kit, and mm -hmm. if it wasn't if it wasn't for Kit, we wouldn't be. We probably wouldn't be nearly as, mm, I don't know, far along. Far along, yeah, yeah. And that, Monty Howry is another one. He took us, um, took us under his wing, and he gave us some huge breaks in the beginning of our, of our career, and it showed us the importance of genetics. Yeah. I mean, actually, selecting for cows that will work for you. Um, yeah, he's. He's he's been a big influence, and I mean I got to say too, you know, like Jordan and Jackie Christman. Yeah, they've 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 been bent over backwards as, for us. You know, people talk about being neighborly and being good neighbors, but 
I mean, those guys, they're always there for us if we need something. And, uh, I, you know, I really appreciate them for that. I also have to say, um, there's an, there's an old man we met at one of Kit's sales, and his name is Henry Meyer. He lives up in Flasher. And Henry, whenever he drives down here, he'll stop by the house and check in on us. And he's always been a huge, just a cheerleader for us. And um, I love Henry because he gives me these really great, like, mantras. Um, and one of them that he had always told me this story every time I see him. And he, he's talking about how him and his wife, Janet, have cabin out like 200 heifers or something and he just kept telling Janet we can handle anything for a little bit and I find myself <laughs> saying that all the time you know and oh yeah Henry is he's he's you know you need those you need those people that are gonna take you under their wing and show you their the ropes but you also need those people standing on the sidelines going yeah you guys can do this you guys are great this is this is awesome and Henry Meyer is definitely one of those people for us but it all that all ties back into the whole beginning, right? I mean, the community part of it. Yeah, you you got to have a community. And that's part of where you have to say, you know, the whole purpose of this interview is, you know, navigating through the the negative, and you surround yourself with those kind of people instead of people that are like, yeah, I can't make any money. Uh, no, we can't. We're not gonna give you a break, or there's there's nothing for you here. You know, you surround yourself with those people. You're gonna begin to think about it, um, or to to do that. And um, whereas if you surround yourself with people that are like, here's a different way to think about this, and and you guys are doing great. Just keep on keeping on. Like, that's a lot easier. No, I mean I think that's a relief right way to wrap things up I had a couple other questions but I think that's the message that I want listeners to go with thank you both so much for sitting down and taking the time um, thank know. you I, it's it's never fun to talk about yourself but I this is kind of, I enjoy this I enjoy your podcast and what you're doing it's it's really good and uh, I like listening to it so yeah. yeah thanks for everything you do in the community too yes don't edit that out don't <laughs> okay <laughs> you've done a ton for this community yeah. and Hedinger's lucky to have you yeah well I really like the community too so it's a mutual it's mutual <laughs> good if you found yourself tapping along to our theme music those rights go to Chuck Suki he sure can write a catchy tune Thursdays are launch days for new episodes final thanks to Nolan Dix over on the mix board Hair and makeup by Country Style. Coffee provided by George's and the Owl. Sure to keep you wide-eyed from sunup to sundown. And of course, to you, the listener, for your continued support. Agriculture Applied can be heard wherever podcasts can be found. If you're having trouble or have any sort of question, give me a call at 701-567-2735. Until next time, take care. Thank you.